Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Emergency Trauma Mamas podcast. And today is Thursday, so we'll call today Toxicology Thursday. Um, We've been doing some Trauma Tuesdays, so I thought we'd mix it up a little bit and talk about toxicology, or in this case, um, an overdose of a TCA. So when you talk about overdoses, by far and away, um, to me, it's far as what I've seen clinically, a TCA or a tricyclic antidepressants, they're, they're um, very serious, as you know. They're one of the worst ones, a p- potentially just because in and of because of the drug itself and the properties and its pharmacokinetics. However, a lot of times we know that patients who are suicidal will mix drugs with alcohol and, again, potentially makes for even worse outcomes. So keep that in mind. I'm sure you've taken care or seen a lot of patients who have, you know, tried to kill themselves with TCAs and they, it's like they really know what they're doing. And I've seen them in the past, even before, you know, pre-Google, I guess you could say pre-Google, where people could just say, what's the worst drug to overdose on? And they're so serious and the patients are so, so very, very sick. So let's talk about a case study today with a patient who uh, overdoses on amitriptyline. So brief case summary, synopsis of what you're getting. You're going to receive a 16-year-old female patient who's brought into the ED from home um, by her mother for AMS. So she has altered mental status and mom says her daughter came home from school like normal. However, she was super upset and very cheerful and she mom was like, "What's wrong?" and she's like, "Just leave me alone." And she went to her room. And approximately 30 minutes later, um mom went to check on her daughter. Of course, she was just found altered and then they brought her in um to the ED. So now she's here in your department and she was last last known well or last known normal approximately an hour ago. Um the patient was super upset. In addition, mom mentions the fact that, you know, she was snooping around on her daughter's Facebook page and she noticed that she was making some posts about her breakup with her boyfriend. So break up with the boyfriend. Um that day, particularly at school, which super duper stressed her daughter out. And now she's overdosed on amitriptyline. Um, there's no other co-ingestions that you know of because, you know, you ask mother, hey, hey mom, are there any other meds in the medicine cabinet in your purse? Is there, you know, grandma, grandpa medicine cabinet kind of going through your checklist? Is there anything else that she could have taken in addition to the amitriptyline? Because it's, Amitriptyline in and of itself is bad enough, but you want to make sure and cover all your bases and make sure that you're not dealing with a polypharmacy situation as far as an OD. Because toxicologically speaking, every drug does different things. And so if you have more than one drug that your patient overdosed on, of course, that's a lot lot more critical thinking into what can you do to block the effects, pharmacokinetics of that drug. So no other co-ingestions, which is good. Um, She's going to require a few things here. We're going to get to initial evaluation, like vital signs and physical exam. And 
The mom, in the meantime, goes, she did bring the daughter's purse, which was good, because the daughter is kind of becoming more altered and having decreased respirators, of course, and, you know, they're cutting her clothes off and putting her on the monitor, so we don't have a pressure yet, but you know that her GCS is declining, so mom looks in her purse, and oh, by the way, there's an amitriptyline pill bottle that's empty, so no bueno. So the first thing in my mind is, when the heck was that bottle filled? <laughs> because if it was filled yesterday, then we know that she took, you know, approximately the whole bottle. Um, if it was filled a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, could not be as many pills, but still bad, right? So she's initially becoming a little bit more stuporous and delirious. She does have an intact gag reflex. She's kind of mumbling um, incoherently, like, ah, ah, and saying random words. Her airways protected at the time that she presents. She's a little tachycardic. Um, it, you know, your findings, of course, thinking about a TCA and the way that it works, you know, it's, it's, her findings are consistent with the anticholinergic manifestation. Her skin is dry. Her abdomen shows absent bowel sounds and there's suprapubic fullness. So, that part all fits the clinical picture of what a tricyclic does. Um, you know, pharmaco pharmacokinetically speaking, their TCAs are super duper quickly absorbed from the GI tract and they go through the normal first pass metabolism. Um, they're really protein bound and they have a large volume of distribution. So, um, of course, they can hang around a long time. So they do have a long half-life. Um, you know, 31 to 46 hours. So again, that's not good either. Um, the main toxic effects, though, that we're talking about with this particular drug or any TCA, really, it doesn't, all TCAs, why they're so dangerous is because they have four very different main pharmacological properties. So they inhibit the norepinephrine, reuptake at the nerve terminals in the brain. Um, they have a direct alpha adrenergic block. No good. Um, the membrane, they have uh, like a quinidine effect kind of like on the myocardium. And of course, like I mentioned, the anticholinergic effects. So we're going to have, we're going to see stuff, basically side effects of an overdose in the brain and the heart and everything that matters, right? Um, we're not as worried about the gut, but everything that, you know, we know about these drugs is not good and how it affects the patient. Um, so looking through um, a little bit more of our history, um, you know, we mentioned that the mom said she was super tearful. We've gotten to the bottom of what we feel that the drug was and just kind of getting some history as far as past medical history from the mom, none. Past surgical history, none. Last menstrual period was two weeks ago. Of course, we're going to screen her. Um, everyone's pregnant until proven otherwise. Um, no other meds, no allergies, um, just uses... Um, alcohol recreationally, I guess she's 16. We don't really know what that means <laughs> recreationally. Um, mom does cite the past medical history of depression, which is why she was prescribed the amitriptyline in the first place. So single mom lives, um, she's, her mom is single and she lives with just her mom in, um, the apartment. So now you've got some vitals to work with. BP is 100 over 50. 
Pulse is 112 to 116 ish. Sinus tack on the monitor, no ectopy. Respers are 16. Temp is 38.3, so that translates to 101. And she is satting 100%, and she's just on a non rebreather at this time. However, um, you're kind of like, okay, I'm gonna, this girl's gonna buy a tube, right? Because she's kind of decompensating as far as her, her um, altered mental status and her GCS. So, of course, remember GCS less than eight intubate. So, her initially, her airway looks good, but you're pretty much gonna go ahead and get your supplies for RSI for rapid sequence intubation because just knowing what you know about this drug, she's going to get intubated, sedated, ventilated, and sent to the unit. So it's not like you're just going to keep her on the non-rebreather. Um, she is because she's only breathing 16 times per minute, but her GCS is rapidly declining. Um, circulation-wise, she's tacky, you know, one-teens. Um, her radial pulses are slightly diminished, so... Remember, if you have that gap between central and peripheral pulses, that's not good because her central pulse is strong. So you listen apically and she's tacking along at 112, 116, and her radial pulses are slightly diminished. So already you know, you know, she's shunting. Her blood is shunting. Um, disability, she's just uh, kind of mumbling incoherently. You don't see any track marks or anything on her arms. Again, always be on the lookout. Bolo, be on the lookout for any other drugs, alcohol, anything else. Don't just take what people say at face value. I know that sounds horrible, but the world that we live in and, and we know that we deal with a lot of this in the ED, you just can't take what people say at face value anymore. So although they may vehemently deny no I don't use heroin no I don't you got to look between their toes you got to look you know kind of in their genitalia area if they're a male um, because that's where they're going to shoot up sometimes you know they say go between the toes nobody knows um, so you have to look for track marks everywhere so that's your primary survey you know as far as what you see and within the first couple minutes what do you want to do? Well, obviously we said, you know, we put her on some O's, just throw her on a non-rebreather. got two large bore IVs established. Talk screen, of course, drew the rainbow. And um, we're getting ready to prepare to do RSI and intubate this patient because we know if we sit on her, she's no longer going to have a patent airway. Um, for circulation, again, she's on the monitor. Go ahead and initiate an NS bolus. And looking at her EKG, of course, we go ahead and get a 12 lead because we know that based on these types of drugs, they can go into, they have, um, the, the sodium channels are affected also in the heart. So we have a widened QRS with this patient because of the drug side effects. And then, again, um, throughout the body, again, when we get gases, we're going to want to do that too, particularly once we pop her on the vent and see, is she in a metabolic acidotic state? Because that's also something that happens as a result of these drugs. Um, remember, because of the four toxic um, properties or pharmacokinetics that it that affects. Um, again, what is something else? We always want to check that sugar. Make sure you get a point of care um, 
sugar stick and it's 95 milligrams per deciliter at this time. So go ahead and run your eye stats, um, tox screen, all of that. But now you're worried because her QRS is getting wider and we go ahead and intubate the patient. If you were not to intubate this patient, she's gonna, the bottom's gonna drop out on you. You know, basically, you know, she's gonna become apneic. Uh, potentially, she could arrest because her, her QRS is getting wider, wider, wider. So what's she gonna do? She's gonna go into VTAC, um, potentially VFib. Who knows how much she took of this drug? We don't know. So if you don't do anything, if you do no intervention at all, um, her pressure is going to dump on you. You know, she was, what, 100 systolic? She's going to dump to 70s, 80s systolic. And, of course, her tachycardia is going to worsen, so her heart's going to have to work harder. And with that widened QRS, you're setting your patient up for a rest. So now... Um, a few minutes have gone by and you're continuing your assessment. You've got another new blood pressure of 90 over 54. She's still, one, now her heart rate's gone up to 130. Uh, Respers are 36. Now you really need to tube this patient. Um, her temp is 98.6 Fahrenheit or 37 degrees Celsius. And she's standing 90% on that non-rebreather. So you need to tube the patient. Um, just real quick, her um, pupils are a pearl at five by lat, um, super dry mucous membranes, like I mentioned, abdomen soft, non-tender, no trauma. Always look for trauma, even though that was never mentioned. I always kind of keep it in the back of my mind. You know, maybe she's in an abusive relationship with the boyfriend. Maybe there was a fight. Always look for trauma. So, you know, if her right pupil was was five and her left pupil was three, then we're thinking, oh, she has a brain bleed, put a collar on her, maybe she got pushed down the stairs during a fight. You don't know what happened. Do 16-year-olds always tell their mother what happened? No. Um, and you would just want to kind of visualize her um, genitalia to make sure there's no signs of tears or abuse or anything like that. So as you're going through all of that, you're like, okay, we're going to go ahead and tube this patient. Her pressure is going to dump on you. So we'll say she's already coming down. You can see she was 100 and then she's 90. She's going to come down into the 80s probably. Um, so you go ahead and start a bolus. What is something else that you need to think about? Well, again, metabolic acidosis. You get some eye stats and you find out, hmm, her pH is like, 7.25 so go ahead and give um two to four amps of 8.4 percent bicarb you can give the bolus um we go ahead and intubate this patient because her gcs is less than eight and declining quickly we're still going to scan her head um when they go nurses put the foley in they go ahead and visualize that genitalia um you don't see like any blood at the meatus you know thinking pelvic fracture or anything crazy um, you don't see anything that looks like abuse or any foreign bodies in the in the vaginal vault. So the Foley's in, got 900 out. Um, of course, we sent everything off for the tox screen, but send the urine as well. And you're going to go ahead and use some benzos um, to sedate this patient because she's already hypotensive. So again, we're not going to pick Dipravan. And um, we... We're going to go ahead and send all of our diagnostics. So your tox screen's cooking, so you've got that. So you're worried about your ASA, acetaminophen, ETOH. 
and of course to see how high your tox screen is and um, you're giving the bolus but no response so you've given a couple boluses and now you recheck her blood pressure and it's like hmm, 80 over 50 so that's probably not gonna do the trick right so what's the next thing that we can do um, of course we're gonna move to norepi so we can go ahead and uh, put a presser up and we can hang a bicarb drip too so that's again those those widen QRS we want to ward off um, the pulses VTAC or VFib. Um, we want to ward that off and we don't want the pressure to dump into the 50s. So we go ahead and do that as well and make sure that that sodium bicarb gets hung because just a couple amps, you know, that's not going to cure her um, right away. Um, one other thing too, direction of the physician, NP, PA, whoever's treating the patient, make sure that another nurse gets that call out to poison control and consult with the toxicologist. If you start to get into trouble with the cardiac, um, you know, we mentioned the widened QRS. Lidocaine can also um, be used if you do have the VTAC. Um, it seems a little counterintuitive, but it kind of helps um, block the TCAs a little bit. And make sure that you're getting the hospitalists and intensivists involved on this patient's case, of course, because we know she's going to go to the ICU. So you do all of that and you finally get some labs back. And we'll say, you know, you've got her intubated, sedated, ventilated, and she's actually going to go She's on an Ativan drip. She's got the bicarb going. Um, she's on the norepi and doing fine, maintaining her pressure. Your maps are in the 60s, 65-ish range. So your pressure is doing good. And you haven't seen, you know, any runs of VTAC at this point. So the bicarb is doing what it's supposed to do, but the nurse is down in CT um, with some Lido if needed. And um, one of the things I probably would throw a central line in this patient as well when she gets back from CT. But when she's down in CT, um, you go ahead and get some labs back and you can see, um, again, now you've treated her AB, initial ABGs. Her initial one was 7.27. Now you've got 7.39, uh, CO2 of 38, PO2 of 52, uh, bicarb of 23. And um, this was when pre-popping her on the vent. So um, tropes negative, toxicology, salicylate, nothing, acetaminophen, 15 mics, ETOH, nothing. Um, not too much, actually. You, you, you would think that, um, the TCAs, of course, will be positive. Chest x-ray is normal, and she's coming back from CT, and lo and behold, the, uh, radiologist calls you, and, hey, you're good. There's no bleed, no nothing, so... Um, liver enzymes, CBC, CMP, all of that doesn't look too bad. So, you know, the first EKG, I would get repeat EKGs on this patient again, um, as well while she's in my emergency department. So, you know, your first one was normal sinus tacky, one teens, no ectopy, but she was getting the widened QRS, um, and the second EKG just kind of showed the worsening of the TCA toxicity. And then by EKG number three, you saw the QRS kind of resolve itself because you had the bicarb drip going. So 
kind of some key points there. Make sure you get that bicarb going and not just giving, pushing a couple amps is not going to do the trick. I mean, that, that just seems, it seems common sense, but sometimes we move on to the next thing, you know, for the patient. And then it's, it's kind of like, well, all right, what else do we need to fix? And then you're just, the problem's going to reoccur. So you, you can fix the gases temporarily, but if you don't hang that bicarb drip, they're going to slip further into the metabolic acidosis abyss. Um, again, so we mentioned a couple key points for the um, toxicity of a TCA, which are um, in, inhibition of norepinephrine rehab, reuptake at the nerve te- terminals. Because remember, she was okay, she was talking, and then she was starting to have a decline in her um, mental status, and her DCS was declining. Um, also has a direct alpha adrenergic block, and... Um, and anticholinergic effect too. So, and the thing about the TCAs and what we're seeing now clinically is so many people um, may have been on an SSRI. So they were on a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor and it didn't work for them or perhaps they were on it for so long, um, you know, Prozac Nation, um, it just stopped having an effect on the patient. So then the physician or psychiatrist or whomever is prescribing will switch them to a TCA because they still need help with their depression. The depression is not going away. Unfortunately, the TCAs um, are known for killing people when they overdose on it. So whether it's an adult, in this case, it's, it's a teenager, so an adolescent, you know, they're supposed to be on a lower dose, the same as the geriatric patients. And to be honest with you, the beers criteria for geriatric patients. So if you pull up beers criteria for drugs that elderly patients shouldn't really even be on, mm, let's see, there's TCAs. They shouldn't even really be on them because when you think about absorption, distribution, metabolism, and excretion for every drug that we give to our patients, um, Geriatric patients don't exactly have the best GFR, right? Their kidneys aren't always working that well. Um, so therefore, their metabolism isn't that great. Their excretion is no, no bueno. So they're supposed to be at a lower dose, but personally, I feel like they're just going to have a buildup more of metabolites and have more side effects and potentially fall and again have hallucinations those types of things and the other caveat about these drugs is um the fact of the matter is when you give these drugs to kids who are less than 12 years age or even some teenagers what it does and what they found is because they'll treat like ocd with it okay that's fine but um after a certain amount of time because you know these drugs take you know, a while to work, once they build up to the therapeutic level, um, the suicidal ideation gets like bad and it's known and it's proven and it's documented. So not exactly the best drug for adolescents either, because it's just one of those drugs you don't want teenagers to have in their toolbox to be like, huh, 
I had a bad day. You know, my boyfriend broke up with me and people were mean to me on the internet or they bullied me and I'm just going to take all of these because I'm going to end my life. So TCAs are one I would not want in my son or daughter's um, possession because when they get pissed or they get mad about something and they're they're going to show you who's in charge. Um, TCA overdoses by far and away one of the more lethal ones that you'll see and that's without alcohol so when we talk about our case study that we just went through you know she didn't need a lot of alcohol you know in addition to these drugs so again in an acute overdose basically the fatal cardiac dysrhythmias it says they're rare but again you do see that widening of the qrs it says about four or five percent um, is what you'll see. And then, um, children younger than six actually are like 12 to 13% of these drugs. So imagine now, think about a pediatric accidental overdose with this drug. Can you imagine a smaller child? So say you have, I don't know, a three-year-old, so less body mass and everything else ingesting such a horrible drug. Cool. Definitely fatal. Um, death basically happens as a a direct result of the TCA toxicity within hours. So, um, the delayed deaths that we see clinically are due to complications such as ARDS, sepsis, um, trauma after seizures, all of that. So, um, you can really go through each system and see, um, you know, the CNS toxicity, because they get sedated and then they can have seizures and hallucinations and all kinds of things. So just not a good drug. So if you see these clinically, you'll know because you'll never forget them. I remember my first one that I saw, I just could not believe how sick this patient was just from one drug. And like I said, it's less and less... It's not prescribed as much as it used to be, but I feel like it's coming back for some reason. And like I mentioned, I think the SSRIs are just kind of losing their popularity or whatever. So then docs and like I said, psychiatrists, they're like, well, we have to put them on something. So then TCAs are kind of like coming back, which is no bueno. Um, Some key points here and then we'll wrap it up for today is... Make sure you decontaminate the patients if you can, if they can, if you could do like a whole bowel irrigation um, or activated charcoal, if their normal mental status. Of course, our patient was not, so that's out. Um, make sure you give um, LR or uh, NS for volume, and you want them to have, um, if you're not correcting the hypotension after like a second liter, forget about it. You've got to move on to a presser. So don't um, mess around too long with your um, crystalloid challenge. Don't waste time because they're not going to magically respond to a couple boluses. Um, again, norepi is the first line, so 0.1 mic per kilo per minute. Um, you can put them on epi or phenol. Um, unless their tachycardia is profound, um, but just start with a norepi because it's easier and that's what most nurses are hanging and it's just, it just seems more natural um, to go with norepi because it's just our presser of choice a lot of times and that's the case for this TCA overdose as well. 
Um, if their QRF is greater than 100 milliseconds, you want to start considering um, one to two migs of Ativan for seizure prevention. And that's just prevention. Um, again, their gases, look at their gases, look at their gases, look at their gases. Um, just one set's not going to do it. So again, you can start with a couple of sodium bicarboluses. Um, repeat until you see that QRS um, stop re reflecting that they're in metabolic acidosis. So you want to titrate their bicarb infusion to approximately 7.5. 7.55-ish is where you want them to be. And of course, their K, look at their K and make sure their potassium is good. Um, they can get super hypernatremic, um, your goal sodium. And if that happens, of course, they'll go into a ventricular dysrhythmia. But um, you can um, make, make sure your sodium is about 150, 155 is where you want to see them. Um, you can do HTS on these patients. So your hypertonic saline is also an option. And um, we mentioned the lidocaine as well to have that handy for either a bolus or a drip and making sure. Now, if you're doing ECMO in your um, facility, so if you're in level one or level two trauma center and you're putting people on ECMO, um, you can do that with these patients when they get super bad. The other thing that you can consider is um, intralipid um, emulsion, which binds it up, obviously, um, the, the drug. Um, so, but if you're not carrying intralipid, you know, pharmacy can't prepare that for you, then it's not an option. Um, make sure you can consult, uh, poison control early and often if need be. So as the patient's condition changes or if, oh, you get the tox screen back and oh, by the way, they're on another drug. Now we need to talk to the toxicologist again and see, if our, our plan is changing. Our plan of care can change for our patients very quickly, and we know this based on experience. So again, always stabilize your ABCs um, with your fluid recess. If their patient's not responding, move on. Um, remember your sodium bicarb because of the sodium channel blockade and metabolic acidosis, and GABA agonist because of seizures and agitation because of how it affects the brain. So again, serial EKGs, um, serial ABGs, and serial lights. So that wraps up today's Toxicology Thursday. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I appreciate you listening, and you guys have a good one. Bye-bye.